Good morning. I'm going to be ministering to you this morning, and I'm so excited. Um, Jeremy is actually on the East Coast, and he's preaching in one of our friend's churches, and it is going to be such a good morning for him. But you know what else? We're going to have a really good time in the Word this morning. And I am really stirred up about what the Lord has for us. And so I'm just going to ask you this morning to hook your faith with me. That in this service, what needs to come out would come out. And what I said earlier, that the helper is here, I really believe that. And you know, I want to just pray over that this morning and ask and invite the Lord into this this morning. So Father, we all come together in agreement. We come before you with reverence and honor and great expectation. Father, you have every bit of wisdom that we need. You have every answer to every question. You know the secret chambers of our hearts. You know the secret petitions that we have asked of you. And I'm asking you this morning to answer those prayers. I'm asking you to reveal more of yourself to us. More of who we are in Jesus. More, Lord, of more. There's more, there's more, there's more. And we receive it from you this morning. Father, I pray, let my teaching fall as the rain this morning. That it would be like distilled dew. That it would be strengthening to each one of us in here. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the anointing that's present. To break off every burden. To take off every bit of bondage. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for destroying the yokes that have been around people for a very long time. I'm asking you for that this morning. Things that have been there that have been chronic. I'm asking you to break the power of that this morning. We believe we receive your help. We believe we receive eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe it this morning? Oh, hallelujah. You know, a lot of times in life, it's very easy to seek help from another person, another human, another individual. And we ought to have help from each other. We were created for fellowship. We were created to be a blessing to each other. But I'm telling you, there's things that can happen under the power of God and under under the anointing that can break something that has been in your life for decades They can only happen by the power of God and by the anointing at work in the room. And I'm believing God for that this morning. Maybe there's been ways of thinking, wrong ways of thinking, that have tried to hold on to us, that have tried to keep us in bondage for a very long time. The word of God comes to break that off of us and to set us free. What are we saying over ourselves this year? What is the word of the Lord for us in this church this year? He told us that this is our year of jubilee. Jesus is our jubilee. Can someone say that with me this morning? Jesus is my jubilee. He's our jubilee. He is our freedom. Oh, and when there has been a debt and there has been bondage, he is the one that sets free. I'm telling you, this is good, 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 good. 
And I'm going to ask you guys to get on board with me this morning. Man, I'm telling you, if we would come into this church every week and not have our eyes on a man or a woman or another person, but we would be looking to him, seeking him, hungry for him, thirsty for him, he promised us that he would fill us up. Fill us up to overflowing. Do you want to overflow this morning? I'm just asking you. I'm just asking you. Over here. You want to overflow this morning? I, 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 I'm, I'm serious. I'm looking at people right now. This section right here. Can everybody just sit up real, I mean, you're like ready, you're on the edge of your seat. You're excited and expecting God to move this morning in your life. You're expecting God to speak to you this morning. Okay, 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 what about right here? Do I have anyone? They they might have beat you. They might have beat you guys. Okay, but y'all can have another chance. Okay, over here, anybody stirred up and ready? to hear from God this morning. Oh, yeah, some of you guys. No, I think this section won, and it's not because they're bigger. Yeah, okay. I'm telling you, it's the people who get excited about the things of God that get something out of it. Okay, okay. I'm just wanting to stir you up. Sometimes you just need a mama in your life to come in and just kick you in the pants. Just kick you just a little bit right there in the pants and say, stir up, wake up. Come on. You know that word stir up in the Bible? Do you know what that means? It means to light a fire. To light a fire. And some of us are just, man, we have lost all joy and hope and passion for the things of God. I'm telling you, God is not finished yet with your life. He has got big, great, grand things planned for you. You don't want to miss out because you get too cold, okay, or you get too hard. Jesus came into the, and, and he spoke in the book of Revelation, and he said, I would rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold, but not lukewarm, not somewhere in the middle. I'm telling you, Legacy Church is a place of passionate, full of passionate people. People who are stirred up and excited about the things of God. You know how you get like that? You stop thinking about yourself all the time. You stop thinking about what I'm going to do today, what I'm going to do tomorrow, and you start getting God's things on your mind. No, I love the Word. I love serving God. I love going after God more than I love all the things that I think I want in this life that will never satisfy me. Excited about the things of God. If you feel bored with life, I'm telling you, there's more. There is more. There is more to go. There's more places to see. There's more adventures to go on with God. There is more. I don't care how old you get. There is more. There's always someone to be loving on. There's always someone to be ministering to. There's always a place to be serving God. You have to go after it. It's those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those are the ones who are filled. So none of that was planned, okay? We're going to start this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. We are in a really good series right now. Anybody else? I mean, are you getting stirred up? I, oh, man, glory to God. We're getting texts from people. People are letting us know how blessed they have been. But this series is called, anybody want to tell me what it's called? 
what's right with you? And we are talking about being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and what it means to be made right with God. I want to read this to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Oh, is it good to be new on the inside? Not wearing some old raggedy clothes anymore. But you've got, oh, the righteous, you are new in him. Glory to God. It says this, um, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, Jeremy talked a lot about this last week, but you know, we... As born-again believers, if you've received Jesus in your life, you have a ministry. And that ministry is called reconciliation. And that is the joining of two things that have been broken, putting them back together. You have the job, the ministry, the responsibility of being reconciled to God, first and foremost, and then also being reconciled with people. You're not supposed to live with bitterness in your life, with broken relationships, with problems of every kind between you and someone else. No, you are a person that joins, hooks up, and ministers closeness, intimacy with people. We are not meant to be separated from other parts of the body. We are meant to be joined together. So think about that. That is your ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means if that's his ministry, that's our ministry. If that's how he does it, we're supposed to go after reconciliation with people and with God. You weren't meant to live your whole life feeling distant from God. Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father and reconciled to each other. It says this, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. There's a great exchange right there. Now, if you aren't born again in this room today, I want to tell you that there was a great exchange made. Jesus took all your sin and gave you grace. He took all your pain and gave you healing. He took all your shame. Oh, and he gave you honor. Oh, thank you, Lord. A great exchange. He made he who knew no sin to be made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What does it mean to be righteous in him? Well, to be made right, 
To be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus just simply means you're right to stand with God. You now have, because of Jesus, the right to stand with God. I'm telling you, that is exciting. I can come and stand in the presence of the almighty God and be right with him. Be right with him. What is right with you? What's right with you? Um, in the Amplified, this says, He made Christ who knew no sin to judicially. These are legal terms. You are legally right with God. Legal terms to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Glory to God. Are you thankful for Jesus this morning? I'm telling you, every time I go before God to pray, I thank God for Jesus. I make myself very aware of without him, there would be distance between me and my father. But with Jesus, there is only love between us. His name is Jesus. You know, I say that often. There is only love between us, and his name is Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Are you thankful for Jesus this morning? Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, in Galatians 3, 6, we see the whole passage about Abraham. It was, the Bible says, accounted to him for righteousness. What is accounted? That was a gift that was put in his account. Righteousness was a free gift. It wasn't something that he could earn. It wasn't something that you just, you, you do, you gain from performance. It cannot be by your works. Righteousness is a free gift. Amen. Righteousness is a free, it was accounted to our account. It was given to us a free gift. And you know, it's amazing. It is, righteousness can only come one way. It is by faith in Jesus, not by what you've done, not how you well you've performed. It is by faith in God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Romans 3, 22 and 26. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to who? To all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I want you to look at another passage of scripture with me. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 18. I'm telling you, God is so faithful. He is so faithful. I mean, you can count on him every day. As a minister of the gospel, do I have any ministers in here? 
that are called into the five-fold ministry, you are called, okay, now, first of all, let me, let me revise that question. Do I have any ministers in here? Every single person in this room should have raised their hand. Number one, we've already gone over the ministry of reconciliation. But also, every person that is called into the kingdom has some type of assignment on their life to minister, to be a witness for the glory of God. You and I are called to be light. 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 That is a witness. That is being a minister. Okay, so then do I have anyone who believes they're called into the fivefold ministry gifts? Oh, oh, I, oh, awesome. Oh, that is so great. So... Being called into the ministry, you know, I, in the mornings, I pray this over my life, and you should pray this too. This is in an Isaiah, and it says that God would give me, well, he'd awaken my ear to hear morning by morning. He'd awaken my ear to hear. He'd give me words in season to those who are weary. Anybody in here? Start praying that prayer over your life. Did you know you can always be ready to minister and to bless somebody else? He awakens my ear to hear. You know, God will minister to you things for other people. And he will also give you words in season for those who are hurting, those who are weary. Always be ready to love, to bless, to heal with your words. And then, um, you know, none of that was planned either. So I'm just, that's another free gift I'm giving you this morning. Also, you know, in Deuteronomy, I pray this. If you're a minister, if you're called to speak the word of God, I pray this over my life and myself. And it's, and it's this. Lord, I pray that my teaching would drop as the rain. What is the rain? What does it represent in scripture? It represents Refreshing. Do you know there's refreshing for every person in this room today? There is the anointing that's present. How good and pleasant it is for brethren who dwell together in unity. Now, this doesn't happen when there's division. But with unity, with a reconciliation, with a closeness, with an intimacy, when that is present... It is like a dew or an anointing or the rain that comes down and flows over the people. And there the Lord commands the blessing. Is anybody interested in living in the blessing of the Lord of your life? Glory to God. I'm, I'm interested in living. Now, a lot of people love the idea of living in the blessing. And they come to church all the time. They even listen to the word all the time. They talk about things of God all the time, like they know, and they know the most, and they're a know-it-all. Okay? Oh, yeah? I'm, oh, gosh. Should I not have said that? Everybody's so quiet. They talk about those things. They think about, they, they, they act like that, but they're not interested in being a doer of the word. And it's the doer of the Lord, Lord, word that sees the blessing in their life. And not just the person who loves the idea of the word. If you, year after year after year, are not seeing increase in your life in every area, your relationships, your finances, um, you know, you should be going from faith to faith and glory to glory. 
It's time to get honest with the Lord, really honest, and to say to him, Lord, I, I want more. I want more. You know, the Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in that posture, there is exaltation. There is a lifting. There is a prosperity that will come to you. There are healthy relationships that come through humility. You know, Proverbs tells us that only by pride comes contention. Only by pride comes strife. So to examine your heart, to examine your life and get really honest is a way to begin to start living more freely in the blessing. Like Jordan said, make, just take a healthy estimation. And you, know, you got to live in the light of your righteousness. And then what does that mean for me to start to put on what's already been done in my heart? So all that to say, I want to look at this passage of Scripture. This is in Luke chapter 18. And has anybody been enjoying our Bible reading these last month or so? It's been so good. If you are new to the church, go to the lobby and we'll have them get some Bible reading cards for you. We keep them in our Bible, but we're all reading the same chapter together every day. And it keeps us on the same page and in unity together as a body. But in Luke chapter 18, this is so powerful, y'all. I, I saw this this morning. Get, get this, okay? This is how much Jeremy and I are on the same page. You know, when you live a life that's free of strife in your marriage and you don't let the enemy have one inch, then you have a kind of a peace and a kind of connection and a kind of clarity. If you and them and God all together, and there is life flowing to that thing and your prayers get answered, and you see the same things, it is worth it. It's worth it to live a life free of strife. And uh, Jeremy, this morning, I text him. I'm like, listen to what I just saw in the Word. And I started to tell him this. He seriously was reading the same exact passage. The Lord had told him and showed him the same exact thing for that Scripture. And we're texting, and it's identical, and we are cracking up at each other. This happens to us all the time. Why? Well, we're in sync with the Holy Ghost, and we're in sync with each other. And, and it's powerful. It's a powerful thing. But this specifically has been standing out to me when we have been reading our chapter together. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 Jesus begins to tell a parable, and he's distinguishing between those who find their righteousness in Christ and those who are living self-righteous. And this verse, verse 9, it says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Here's the first sign that you are are yielding to self-righteousness. Trusting in yourself. What does it mean to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Well, you're trusting more in God than in yourself. You are relying more heavily on his presence in your life. You are very aware that without Jesus, you are no good. But with Jesus... You are amazing. Can you say that with me? In Christ, I am 
amazing. Okay, it took a little bit. Some of you, that was hard to do. In Christ, I am awesome. In Christ, I rock. Yeah, okay. So Jesus begins to distinguish between two types of righteousness. Self-righteousness, trusting in self instead of God. And then the righteousness of God that comes in Christ Jesus. And it says this, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Someone who is self-righteous constantly despises other people. What does it mean to despise? It simply means to dishonor. It means to think lowly of. It means to see them as invaluable. It means to write them off. It means to think of them as small, not worth honoring, insignificant, and it also comes with a lot of judgment. These are ways to recognize if self-righteousness is endeavoring to infiltrate your life in any way. How you see others and how you treat others. How you talk about others when they're not with you. And then how you extend mercy. I want to show you an example of this. Verse 10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray. He's going to give us two contrasts, two different men. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. Oh, Lord, have you ever prayed with yourself? This is no good. No good. You don't want to be caught praying with yourself. Praying with yourself. And this is why he was on his own. You want to hear it? This is why God wasn't hearing his prayer and definitely not answering his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I thank you, God, that I am better than he or she. I thank you, God, that I have never messed up. I thank you, God, that I am perfect and have never, never sinned. I thank you, God, that I am much better than he or she. Now, we think that this is just, oh, how dare he do that. This is happening every day in the lives of Christians everywhere. I mean, if you have someone that constantly comes to you and tells you or reports to you what someone else is doing wrong all the time, it's a red flag. If someone consistently tells you the errors in other people's lives, it's a red flag. And know that they're going to say the same thing about you at some point in life. Know that if there is someone that is consistently judging another person, and in the light, they will say, I'm just being honest. I'm just being truthful. i got to be real. No. It is, and without realizing it, 
It is, and they have opened themselves up to the ideas of self-righteousness. I am better. It's a consistent comparison that my good is better than their good. My good, I'm good, and they're bad. Self-righteousness is seen in the way you treat and talk about other people. Self-righteousness, Jeremy said this to me this morning, he texted me, he says, self-righteousness gets its righteousness not from Jesus, but from constantly comparing themselves to others. I'm righteous because I'm not as bad as they are. This is self-righteousness. Guys, I'm telling you, it is, the Lord does not like it. And we ought to run, run from it. Do you know that this is going to set people free in here this morning? And he's, he's praying with himself because God won't even hear this. This is in the realm of pride. And the Bible says that God arrays himself against the prideful. He will actually, you will, he will put you at a distance. Now, not the distance that we see here that's been reconciled by righteousness, but there is a distance. There is a, there is a really extreme thing that comes with pride. It is a separation because it looks so unlike the, like our master. He is humble in heart. And so to, to see this is powerful. In verse 12, he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Here's what I've done right. Here's what I've done good. You know, it's better to be righteous than to always have to be right all the time about everything. You don't want to lose and miss out on closeness with God and with others because you're always having to be right. No, I mean, the Bible talks about in Timothy that the wisdom of God is easy to be entreated. It's easy to yield. It will quickly yield over and love and, 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 and bless. This says this um, in verse 13. The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying. To me that's just a sign of his heart was crying out. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. The one who what? Made much of the mercy of God. Did you know if you're the kind of person that is always receiving the mercy of God, then it will be flowing out of you to other people. Mercy upon mercy upon mercy. To see people through the eyes of mercy. I like to call it the Jesus filter. It's no longer, not, this is not between me and you any longer. We've got, an, we've got someone between us and his name is Jesus. I've got someone between my father that is speaking mercy over me in the blood of Jesus. I ought to extend mercy to everyone in my life. I ought to love mercy. And Jesus says, this guy, this one right here, he was the one that pleased the father. He was the one that went justified because he cried out for mercy. 
He didn't shout and declare from the rooftops how great he had been, how good he was in comparison to someone else. No, he made much of the mercy of God. See, the Pharisee, when he prayed, he prayed within himself, and his, his prayers became powerless because he yielded to self-righteousness. God doesn't even hear our prayer. We are like speaking to ourselves, praying to our, with ourselves. When we start to have this attitude of, they're so wrong and I'm so right. If you go on and read, it says... For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you go on to read, it's so powerful. It happens again in the same passage. Verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? He's trying to reiterate his point. Why are you talking about how good I am? No one is good but one that is God. And then he goes on. And this, this young, rich young ruler, he says, All these things have I kept from my youth. What is this? Self-righteousness. All these things in myself I have done. It's no acknowledgement of Jesus being in the picture. It's no acknowledgement that I need him. It's no acknowledgement that he's the one who makes me righteous, that gives me the ability to stand right before God. And Jesus is saying here, why do you call me good? Call him God. Call him good. You know what? This is a passage of scripture. We should be very quick to give God all the glory in our lives. All the glory. All the honor. Not trusting in ourselves. Not looking to our own self. But giving him all the glory. Not all that I've done. You know, a lot of people, they always go back and they talk about everywhere they went to school. Every, every award they've ever been giving, given, everything they've done that was so wonderful, every, you know, the Bible says to let another man praise you. Why? Because it can be very easy to slip into these areas of self-righteousness instead of recognizing that we need Jesus in the center of it all. Do you know how you stay safe? Let me tell you this. Well, I'll get to that in just a second. Let's keep going. And then this, this rich young ruler, he says, all these things have I kept for my youth. And Jesus heard these things he said to him, but you still lack one thing. Sell all that stuff. What it, why, why? Because that's, that's self. That's everything you've produced. That's how you've become a self-made man or self-made woman. That's all, been inher- that's all been gathered by self-effort. He says, go sell all that you have, distribute to the poor. You will have treasure in he- heaven and come and follow me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
You know, with this self-righteousness, you see a lot of it. The fruit of it is judging. It also comes in accusation. And guys, no one is here to judge another person. Every one of us has done this at some point in our life. But, but Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus, on the other hand, is called our advocate, our lawyer, or our intercessor. Whose side do you want to be on? I mean, really, ask yourself, whose side do you want to be on? Do you want to be the advocate, the one that's praying and interceding for someone when they've done wrong, the one who's speaking blessings over that person, who's only speaking life, who refuses to judge, who refuses to condemn? Or do you want to be on the side of the, of the accuser, the one that's constantly finding fault with everyone? The accuser who is always shaming, who is always bringing to light the negative, the dark things. No, I mean, what if you could look for the good in every person that you know? What if you could start to see through the lens of love, see through the eyes of mercy, see like Jesus sees? I'm telling you, this isn't easy for people because it requires faith. It requires getting outside of self. It requires laying down all the good that we've done and all the things we think that we, uh, comparing ourselves to someone else. It requires us honoring God in every conversation. It requires us doing this. I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you will change what you say about them, you will change the way you see them. Do you know, even within a, in a marriage, you have the power, wives, you have the power to speak such righteousness over your husband that they will actually live up to what you say. And it takes strength. It takes real faith to do it, especially when they haven't done it right for 10 years. Now, my Jeremy's perfect, okay? He's probably watching right now. He's perfect, no. No, he's not perfect, and I'm not perfect, okay? And that's the truth about every marriage. But you have the power to speak life. You know, the Proverbs says this. Mm, it's a good scripture. I just, it's coming to me. I'm telling you, the Lord's helping me right now. Proverbs says this, that a wise woman builds her house. Now, a lot of people think, well, we're in this prosperity camp. We're talking about building uh, a big old house, like an actual physical house. Now, it could mean that. You can use it for that. But you know what it means to me? A wise woman builds up her husband, encourages her husband with her words, speaks over him no matter what he says or does or how he acts, speaks the word of God, builds up. The, the wise woman will build up the children of the home. She will speak life over her children. She will speak healing. And when they are acting a fool and doing something crazy, she will speak words of truth over them. She will, she will literally, what's the word? She will 
release faith into the atmosphere of her house. A wise woman builds up her house, encourages her house, has the power over her house. Glory to God. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing in that house. It doesn't matter what any, how anyone else is acting in that house. A wise woman can build her house. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's look at, I want to read you a passage in Esther. Thank you, Lord. We're doing good on time today. Now, I do have to disclose that this is my favorite book of the Bible. And any of you that's ever heard me teach, you know that I've said that about several books of the Bible. But really, no, I love Esther so much. Um, and I, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just wonder where to start here because it's all so good. Does anybody else love the book of Esther? I mean, you should find Jesus in every book of the Bible. But this is a book, you can find him a lot. You know what else you can find in this book? You can find mercy. You can find love. You can find favor. You can find boldness. You can find righteousness. And that's where we're going to get to. I just want to tell you a little bit about this, give you a little background on the story of Esther. First of all, there's a king named Ashurus. And, of course, I'm not going to say that just right because they could, you could pronounce it like ten different ways and we're not, you know, Hebrew scholars. But he had a great kingdom. And he made a feast. He had a dinner for all of the officials and the servants in the land. He invited them to come. And in verse 4 it says, He showed them the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty. And doesn't it tell us in Titus that God will spend the rest of his time showing us the exceeding riches of his glory? All of these things are types and shadows of the day and age we're living in today. So he has this big feast and he invites so many to come. And during this feast, he, you know, have you ever had anyone over to your house for dinner? And maybe you've just done a remodel or you've gotten it all ready for them to come. You can't wait to just bless them, right? To make a good meal for them, to show them your new decoration, to show them, you know, your new living room sofa. I don't know. You're ready to show the riches, the things that are happening in your house. And so he was excited. This was his way of blessing the people. And in verse 9, his wife, Queen Vashti, she also made a feast for the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. So one thing I noticed in this passage, although she lives there, and although she's the queen, and although she's given a place, and although she's given a position, there is still a recognition of who actually owns the house, who it belongs to, who the palace belongs to. Now, this is a great thing. There's a difference between boldness in righteousness and just arrogance in life. Arrogance is this kind of, well, first of all, I'll say this. Boldness is confidence with an awareness of Jesus. Arrogance is a confidence without the awareness of Jesus. 
It is a self-righteousness. And in this place, she had, I would just say this, you're going to see it in a few verses. She had forgotten who this place belonged to. She forgot who was over her in authority, in rank, in position. You know, with righteousness, you are equal. You are an equal. When it comes to righteousness, you can stand before the Lord as an equal. Did you know that there's also, though, in the kingdom of God, rank, responsibility, and reward? And that's a whole other message. So I am going to focus today entirely <laughs> on the foundations of these, these things about righteousness. But that's for another message. We'll just be waiting for that. We're going to get into that later. All that to say, it says this, that the king, he, in verse 11, he said he wanted, you know, he wanted to bring her in to show her off. He wanted to bring her in to, this was her, part of her kingdom responsibility. And so it says, he commanded them to bring Vashti in wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come. At the king's command, brought his eunuchs by his eunuchs, therefore the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. This action of refusing to come was really showed what was going on in the chambers of her heart. There was no honor for his place. There was no humility. There was no willingness to just simply come. You see this all through scripture. You could go and study Luke chapter 14. This is almost identical to what happens in the great feast that Jesus describes in the parable. If you have time this week, go back and read Luke 14 and you'll see all of this come to light. But it was only her refusal to come that kept her from going on in the kingdom. I think this is really interesting. You know, her beauty is what brought her there. But her lack of honor couldn't keep her there. Or her, her, her dishonor couldn't keep her there. And God will give us favor. He will give us blessing. He will open doors for us that no man can close. But there is a cooperation that we have in the things of God. And one of them is to simply show up. You know, I heard this this week, that the greatest ability is availability. A lot of people, they, they, no, it's really good. That's really good. The greatest ability is availability. And I've learned this in life. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how, how you know, gifted, how bright, how, you know, the things that are so wonderful about you. It doesn't matter if you just simply don't show up. Faithfulness is simply showing up. It's simply being present time and time again. As surely as the sun comes up every morning, he's going to come and show up and show us his faithfulness. This is his attribute. This is how God does things. Faithfulness. So faithfulness is just 
the nature of our father. And so in this passage, it says the king's anger was burned about it. And then later, I think this is so interesting, that he talks, he gathers all his friends together, all the officials that are ranked highest in the kingdom, and he says to them, she did not show up. She didn't come. She didn't obey. And at what happened was, in verse 17, he says that her behavior will become known to all women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes. What is that? Thinking lowly of. Well, where did that stem from? Self-righteousness. And all of them are going to despise. So basically, she's, he's saying that since she did this, if we let this go on, that it's going to breed a culture of dishonor in this kingdom. Do you know this happens in businesses everywhere? This happens in churches everywhere? Just the refusal to show up, to be a part, is just, in this passage, it's dishonor. Dishonor in the land. So he goes in and he says, basically, let the king, verse 19, give her royal position to another who is better than her. How was another better than her? Well, in their reverence, in their ability, really just not in their ability, in their availability, in their willingness to show up. And then it says this, um, if you keep going on, they call for all the women in the land who would like to come. And they appoint people to come in. And in verse 3, we see that they start to bring in a young woman named um, Esther. And they say, let her beauty preparations be given to them. I think it was 12 months total. And for the six month, for six months, if you read down in verse 12, you'll see, I believe they soaked in oil, essential oils, myrrh, and who knows what all. And then for the next six months, they were beautified with perfumes. They were basically at a spa treatment for one year. I mean, I'm rejoicing with Esther right now, right? Anybody else? Can you imagine just soaking like that? Well, what is that? That is a type of the anointing. Soaking in the presence of God for a period of time. That makes you a, a vessel that is fit for the salvation to help save a people. Spending time in the presence of God, that's a type of the anointing. Spending time in the anointing. You know what I love about Esther? These are just a few things that I think are so cool. And then we'll get to the main part. If you look at verse 15, well, I'll say this. She just kept getting promoted, okay? Verse 9, it says that the young woman pleased him. What does Hebrews tell us that without faith, it's impossible to please God? What is faith? Sometimes faith is just showing up. Faithful, being faithful. She just was there. It says she obtained favor. So he readily gave beauty preparations for her that wasn't even her allowance. I'm talking, this is like a real, I mean, this is like, I'm going to, you know what, Jeremy, if you're watching right now. I believe you are like King Ahasuerus. 
And I, I know my birthday's coming up. <laughs> so then it says this, that, that she was actually moved, her and her maid service, to the best place in the house of the women. That's promotion. And it says that um, she, you know, she's this beautiful, uh, beautiful woman. And she just was respectful. I love this in verse 15. Well, verse 14, she would not go to the king unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. She had honor for him. She didn't just talk and say anything that she thought. She was respectful. She listened to her heart. Verse 15, it said this, She requested nothing but what Haggai, the uh, the king's unit, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. She requested nothing. You know what that means to me? She wasn't high maintenance. She wasn't. She was probably so chill and so cool. She was not high maintenance. And if you keep going on, you'll see in verse 17, it says, The king loved Esther more than all the other women. She obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then he made a great feast and called it the Feast of Esther. Do you think she showed up? See, it was Esther's beauty that brought her into the kingdom. It was the favor of God on her life. But it was her honor that kept her in that place. It was her honor for God, for his people, for his authorities. So good. Thank you, Lord. If you keep reading, you'll see the great, we know the great story of what happened with Esther. But we find that Haman tried to come against, well, really all his stemmed from insecurity. He was mad at Mordecai for not bowing down to him. And when he didn't, this is Mordecai is Esther's, was it cousin? I think cousin. Was it uncle? Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, he was very insecure about this. You know, people have power struggles. They're always looking to themselves. There's a kind of insecurity, which is really a form of pride. But he, he wanted to hurt him. And he wanted to hurt everybody that was connected to him. So he devised a plan. And he told the king, I want you to let me kill all the Jews. And what he didn't know was Esther was a Jew. And the king, you know, ends up agreeing to this plan. He doesn't know who this would hurt really. And it says this, that Mordecai, in verse 8, he sends someone to explain to Esther what's happening. And he starts to beg Esther to make supplication and plead for the people. Esther, without even realizing it probably, had been called by God and set in this place for such a time as this. And in verse 11, it says, The king's servant and the people of the king's provinces... She says this, if any man or woman goes into the inner court to the king, 
who has not been called into the inner court. He has but one law, put all to death, except the one for whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. And yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for these 30 days. So it says that, you know, her heart is greatly distressed. She's thinking about her people. She's thinking about herself. She's thinking about what could happen in this decree that's been made. But she knows that she doesn't in herself have the ability to walk in right before the king. She doesn't have that openness, that open door to do that. And so then she calls for all the people. Well, I'll say this. Mordecai says this. If you remain silent, Esther, at this time, verse 14, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? She had a call on her life. But she had to come. She had to show up. She had to cooperate with God and his things and his people. And then it says this. Esther called on the Jews in verse 16 and declared a fast. And they began to press into prayer. Now, with the things of God, it's so important then you and I don't just sit around lazy, waiting for everything to fall on us, hoping that something happens for us in life. No, faith requires a pressing in. Faith requires a laying hold. I mean, faith requires going after what you see in your heart. And she began to press into prayer. She began to fast and to pray. And she began to get the plan of God on what to do. She pressed into his presence. And she called other people to do that with her. And you know, at that time, of course, it wasn't quite the same hearing from God now. But it was the heart that mattered. And it was her heart pressing into his things. It says this on verse 5, though. Now it happened on the third day that Esther... This is how she decided she could go in. She put on her royal robes. If you look at scripture, this would be a type of the robe of righteousness. Put it on like a garment. She put on her royal robes and she stood at the inner court. Now, if you've studied scripture at all, you know No one, not anyone just gets to go into the inner court. She stood at the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in his royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she found favor in his sight. He held out to Esther his golden scepter that was in his hand and Esther went near and touched the scepter it says this he said to her what is it that you wish queen esther what is your request it shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom and of course i can't help but think about hebrews it says let us boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need 
It was boldness. It was righteousness that produced boldness. It was knowing how much she was loved. It was knowing how much she was favored that gave her the boldness to come right up to the throne of grace, to ask for help, to ask for mercy. There was no self-righteousness knowing that this is going to happen because of how great I am. No, it was dependent on the love of God or the love of the king for her. Knowing how much you're loved produces a boldness that cannot be shaken. Knowing how much you are favored because of Jesus produces the kind of confidence. And listen, it's the awareness of Jesus. It's not just self-confidence. It's God-confidence. It's righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not self-righteousness. So it came with this kind of grace. She, she approached with grace. She approached with humility, knowing that in herself she couldn't come boldly to the throne. But because she had the royal robes, she put them on, and she went and stood. He extended her, his scepter to her and said, whatever your request is, I will grant it for you. I will give it to you. 1 John 5.14 says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have, a- we have asked of him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I, I think it's interesting that here in 1 John 5, That when we ask anything according to his will, he does hear us. Remember? With that Pharisee, he prayed within himself. His self-righteousness kept his prayers powerless. But knowing who you are, putting on your royal robe of righteousness, you can go right in boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and help Anything that you need from God. I was thinking about this as I read uh, some of these passages. You know, it says, um, Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. Glory to God. Zechariah 3, 4, it says this. He answered and spoke to those standing before him, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. What is this? Being clothed in his righteousness. Being clothed in his righteousness. I love this. Ephesians 6, 14. It says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does a breastplate guard? It guards all the vital organs. The heart, the lungs, anything that's necessary for life. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus will guard you from. It will guard your heart. It will guard your every part of you. It will guard you. Put on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And before you even think about going before the throne of God, remember Jesus. Become aware of him. 
before we open our mouth to speak anything. You know, the Lord said to me once, he said, if you'll spend all your time blessing, you'll have no time for cursing. What does that mean? If you're always blessing God and blessing other people, you don't have time to curse them. You don't have time to speak evil of them. You don't have time to judge them. Man, life gets so much better when you're not so consumed with other people and their things. The Bible tells us to live a quiet life. To live a quiet life. To not be a busybody. Be involved in the na- and all these other things. Man, we should be so delighted in what God is doing for us. Excited about what he's doing for us in our lives. We don't have time to mess with those things. To get over in that place. And I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to open the door to the enemy for anything in my life. I want to speak blessing only and no cursing. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. That's the psalmist that said that. Not boast in myself. Not boast in all the good things I've done. Not boast in my righteousness or how good I am compared to somebody else. No. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Is that your prayer this morning? Is that your prayer? That you would magnify the Lord at all times. That you would bless Him at all times. That your soul, that your heart, that your mind, that your emotions would only make its boast in Him. Not in how, not my, not my goodness. Not my goodness. No, no, no. Like Jesus said, no one good but God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Awareness that anything good that I've done in my life is because he has been the one that's enabled me to do it. By his grace, he has strengthened us. By his grace, he has given us the power, energized us with strength to make the right decisions. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, it's the humble that get the grace. It gets the humble to get the grace for every area of life. I'm telling you, if you need promotion in your job, look at some of these things. Look at some of these things. Lord, I I desire. You know, the desire to be great is not a bad desire. It's just the way that you get there that matters. It's the way that you obtain the greatness that matters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Can we all just stand up right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, this is the way to have such a good marriage. If someone doesn't act perfect all the time, do everything just right, you know, it takes faith to have a good marriage no matter who you are. And if you're desiring some of those things, start to cut each other a little bit of slack. You know, you won't have these people forever. Think about if you were alone and you didn't have anybody. You've got God. But we should be more thankful for people in our lives. We shouldn't be so nitpicky and critical. It's just signs of self-righteousness. But we should be merciful 
as God has been merciful to us. Extending mercy. When you get to the point where you cut people off and you can no longer extend mercy to you, be really watchful. Self-righteousness has crept in. But when you can act like the master, extend love, extend grace, see people through the lens of love, live in the light of love and grace, I'm telling you, life gets so rich. God can promote you. He can open more doors for you. See, this is just a level of humility in your life, in my life. I'd rather be the one crying out for mercy than the one who thinks I got it all together. Thank you, Lord. He's helped us this morning. He has given us so much revelation and rich words, and it's going to stick with us, and it's going to show up in the days to come. You'll start to see some of these things, and you'll put a finger on it and say, no, 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 that's not who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No longer righteous on my own, but righteous because of what Jesus has done for me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.